You're listening to the Back Home Network, presented by Homefield Apparel. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, where each week we discuss the most important topics in the world of Indiana basketball. This is our 264th edition of Assembly Call Radio and our 866th episode overall of the Assembly Call, recorded on the evening of September 15th, 2022. I'm your host, Jared Morris. And let's begin this edition of the Assembly Call how we begin every edition of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud Banner Moment. And Indiana is the national champion. When it comes down, Indiana will be champion. Smart takes the shot. The Hoosiers have won the national championship. On Wednesday afternoon, the IU men's basketball Twitter account posted more typical September social media fodder. It was a video of the players going through various conditioning drills under the guidance of Cliff Marshall and Tim Garl. It's a fun but fairly unremarkable video, save for one particular moment that really stood out to me, and I'm about to play the audio. So to set the stage for those who haven't seen the video, this is where Tamar Bates is shown addressing his teammates who are circled around him. And here's what he said. Everybody come up our neck, bro. Like, we're not the hunters no more. We're the hunted. One more time. Everybody come up our neck, bro. Like, we're not the hunters no more. We're the hunted. Everybody's coming for our necks. We're not the hunters anymore. We're the hunted. And on the one hand, it would be easy to scoff at Scoop's apparent delusions of grandeur. Oh, really? The program that hasn't finished above 500 in the Big Ten since 2016 is the hunted. Just because a few computer algorithms and magazines say we're the Big Ten favorites? Insert your Jennifer Lawrence gif here. But here's the reality of the situation. Ridiculous as it may be, Tamar is 100% right. Now, is Indiana's lofty preseason position as the near-unanimous Big Ten favorite mostly a default choice, simply because the Hoosiers have the most returning production and best recruiting class in a conference that has more question marks than normal? Certainly. But this is 2022. This is the social media age. This is the overtime elite and NIL age where high school athletes are able to cut million dollar deals before they play a down or take a shot in college. In short, we live in a world where hype and perception dictate and shape reality more than ever before. So here in the physical world where Indiana has been mediocre for years, Tamar sounds a little crazy. But in the real world, which combines the physical world with our digital realities that play out on social media, in podcasts, on TV, in digital magazines and elsewhere... Indiana is perceived and discussed as the Big Ten favorite. And as it gets repeated more and more, the perception becomes reality. So come November, when the hype meets the hard court, Indiana will be just as much the Big Ten favorite as it is the Big Ten's most disappointing program over the last half decade. Both will be true. One will just matter more in the moment, which will make opponents hungry to knock off a team with a teen ranking next to its name and the hype of a conference favorite which means that if this Indiana team tries to play like the underdog it's been the last few years, it will probably get the same results it's gotten, and that can't happen. It's been too long. This program and this fan base needs this season to at least come close to fulfilling the hype. So Tamar is right. He gets it. This is the season for Indiana to reclaim its rightful mindset as a top dog, the hunted, not the hunters. That means being prepared for every team's best shot every night out. 
It's a mindset that can carry a team with this much talent and experience a long way. So it's encouraging to hear it articulated from a young man with the potential to emerge as one of this team's leaders. Let's hope the Hoosiers pay heed to tomorrow's wise words. Okay, now let me introduce my co-host this week. Andy and Ryan are off, but here with me is a longtime high school basketball coach in the state of Indiana, the founder of Delphi Bracketology. You know who it is. He remembers the days when a movie cost a dollar. Heaven help you if you ever decide to pop your collar. Play hard, but remember fake hustle is a crime. He's the coach and it's Tonsoni time. Coach, it is Tonsoni time. What's on your mind? Uh, Jared, I just want to thank you personally and, and everyone who uh, is a listener and a follower assembly call for, for all of the the uh, nice, kind words and visits to the tailgates over the years. It, it, it's been fun. Last Saturday was really good. I've just decided to pare back a little bit of what I do pregame. Uh, and uh, it the, the thanks and just the well wishes were just way more than I needed. Uh, than, than were needed, but very much appreciated. So shout out to the Assembly Call fan base, uh, Indiana fan base, and you personally for your contributions to last Saturday uh, behind the scenes uh, in organizing uh, some of the things. It's just it, it's part of why I think we have so many loyal followers. Um, it is a kind of family atmosphere where we can shout, uh, praise, cheer, uh, commiserate, do all those things. It's better in a group, and I appreciate every single person who ever stopped by. With that being said, I'm still going to the football games, and I'm still going to meet Assembly Call followers. It's just going to be at the walk now uh, and at halftime. And I'll, I'll tweet out where I'm going to be. I'm going to spend some time with the lovely Mrs. Amy Tonsoni walking around campus and, and doing some other things uh, that, that we haven't done for about 10 years since uh, we, we hosted the tailgate. As far as basketball, I can't wait to it, it, it's here. You guys talked about the schedule last week. Uh, Indiana's got a lot in front of them as far as the tough non-conference portion. Uh, the Big Ten schedule has its, its, its uh, tough stretches. But, again, we're talking about Indiana being back in discussion uh, for one of the better teams in the Big Ten and getting some national recognition, and that's where Indiana rightly needs to be. And that's fun, uh, and it should be positive every way we look. Uh, and, boy, uh, October or whenever the first official starting date can't get here soon enough, but November games can't either. So I'm very excited about a lot of things. Absolutely. Uh, all right, so here's what we have in store. We've got some Hoosier headlines. We'll talk a little bit about recruiting and about the pro day that Indiana is planning. And then I have cooked up – some fun questions for Coach about Big Ten coaches, which is one of Coach's favorite topics, topic that gets him excited, gets him riled up. We're going to have Coach give us the lowdown on his thoughts on Big Ten coaches. And then in segment three, of course, we will answer questions submitted by our community members. All of that coming this week on Assembly Call Radio. But first, let's talk about our presenting sponsor, the greatest presenting sponsor in the history of podcast presenting sponsors. That's right. It's home field apparel because this edition of Assembly Call Radio, just like all shows on the Back Home Network, is presented by our friends at Home Field Apparel, where they have the largest collection of vintage IU apparel that you will find anywhere with beloved logos like two different versions of the bison and so much else. And 
as they have been for many of you, they have been my go-to spot whenever I need to buy something for an IU fan in my life. My brother's birthday, I'm ordering him a shirt. You know, friends, family, whoever, uh, if I'm getting them something IU, I'm going to Home Field Apparel. But I've now branched out. And now it's not just IU friends and family, but almost anybody. My neighbor, uh, her birthday came up recently. She is a Kansas fan. We've obviously been talking lots of smack about the game coming up. But it was her birthday, and the first thing I thought of is, man, they've got great KU stuff. So I went and got her two awesome Kansas shirts, which she loves. And that's the thing about Home Field Apparel. It's not just Indiana stuff anymore. It is the first place that you should go if you're looking for college apparel because they've got 140, 150 teams. Coach, I think, has an item from every single one uh, in his closet. They've got T-shirts. They've got crewnecks. They've got hoodies. So they cover you for all seasons. The stuff is comfortable. The colors last. This is why they're building such a juggernaut. Plus, it's an Indiana company. Connor went to the Kelly School of Business. They're in Indianapolis. They hire Hoosiers. There's just nothing not to love about Home Field Apparel, and that's why we are so genuinely proud to have them sponsor our show and to tell you to buy their stuff. So go to homefieldapparel.com. Use our promo code HOME, H-O-M-E. You will get 15% off your first order. That's promo code HOME for 15% off at homefieldapparel.com. Wear one for the team. Uh, all right, Coach. Uh, should we talk a little bit of recruiting here off the top? Because that seems to be a popular topic for Indiana fans here over the last 48 hours, for better or worse. Uh, Arrington Page, who has you know kind of long been considered uh, you know of Indiana's remaining ta- uh, uh, pr- um, targets in the class of 2023, the one who would probably be most likely to attend. Uh, he announced his top four. There were no surprises there. Indiana was on it. But obviously, as I think a lot of people, you know, have heard by now, some of the chatter that's going on suggests that maybe Indiana isn't in as good of a position uh, as they were originally thought to be, you know, and that maybe that's not uh, likely to happen. We'll wait for the official announcement um, because you never know. But I am noticing my daughter walking in to say goodnight. Hey, thanks, my dear. You want to say hi? Come say hi. Come say hi. You can't, you can't come in here and not say hi to everybody. Here she is. The sweetest little IU fan there is. <laughs> All right, go. All right, I love you, my dear. Bye, my dear. You watching the sound of music? Very nice. Although, you know, I gotta say, she had college day, coach, at school, <laughs> and you know, she obviously had a choice: Indiana or A and M. She chose nothing. She's like, I'm just wearing my own clothes. I was like, all right. You know That's what? Good safe for you. choice. Good for you. Um, all right. Sorry. Uh, where were you? So we're talking about recruiting. Um, and, you know, the Indiana's lack of momentum here over the last month or two, a lot of targets that, you know, we've been excited about that the staff, you know, seem to you know, be going after hard hasn't happened. Uh, and so, you know, we got a few questions uh, about this. Kevin sent one in a lot being discussed in my circles about IU in 2023 recruiting or lack thereof. Do we have a problem? First two years are great and we got significant talent in 2022. But is that spike an outlier? Um, in fact, we'll cover another question right now. Let's just pop this in right here. It's not that good, but it's not that bad. It's Jay's mediocre question. That's right. Jay's back from a decidedly non-mediocre vacation in New Mexico, so he can send a question in. And his was, there's been some grumbling about IU's 2023 recruiting class and some recent misses. 
What would you say to IU fans who are concerned about IU's recruiting slowdown, at least when it comes to the 2023 class? Coach, you were on a text thread last night where the hosts of this show were going back and forth uh, about recruiting. So give your thoughts on kind of where you stand. I've given mine on a previous show, and I'll give them here in a moment. But where do you stand? Are you concerned? Like, how are you feeling? Relax. Simply relax. Um, enjoy what we have right now. The last couple of recruiting classes have put Indiana back on the map where we want. Uh, we're looking forward to a season. Uh, relax. Um, do we want recruits to sign for us? Yes, but the recruiting business is tough, and you're going to win some and you're going to lose some. You, you're not going to go undefeated. Every time some kid puts you on a Final Four or a Final Three list, you're not going to go undefeated. We live in a society right now, Jared, where when you win, you're king, and when you lose one thing or two in a row, you're absolutely in trouble, and, and it's every, the sky is falling apart. We haven't even played a game yet with one of our best teams in years. It's a disaster. Relax. Yeah, relax. <laughs> um, do we want uh, Paige to come? Yes. Do we want the Kaiser kid who went to Maryland? Yes. Booker, you could sit here and, and talk about the misses, but kids make choices for all kinds of reasons. It doesn't mean that Woodson and staff are making errors because a kid in the DMV chooses to go to Maryland. Uh, I, I, find, I find all of this talk to be absolutely asinine. Sorry yeah. if I'm offending you, uh, if you feel concerned. But the other thing you is, it's a dumbass. It, absolutely. It's a guards game anyway. And if we don't hit on bigs, develop the bigs you have. Get a transfer portal. There's options now that weren't here five or six years ago. And if you play four perimeters, get after it, press, do some things, you know, high-paced offense. There's ways to win without a dominating big. Um, and, and we have two guards. Gabe Cups, where everyone's talking like the class, Gabe Cups is going to be a, a fan favorite. Uh, Ja'Kai Newton, hopefully he's coming over his injury, is going to be a solid guard. And what has this team ha not had in the last five or six years? Guards. 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 And all of a sudden, everyone's all in an uproar because we don't get Booker, we don't get Paige. Gabe Cups, I can't wait for him to be here, so I'm still excited about it. Yes, there's some particulars. You know, you could pinpoint here is Coach Woodson doing this, Coach Woodson doing that. We did that in the chat a little bit last night. Those are honest criticisms. I'm selecting to keep that private right now because I think that's been one of his strong points is, is recruiting. Uh, so relax. It's almost season, the, the season we're waiting for. Don't get your panties in a bunch or your boxers in a bunch. <laughs> Life's too short. Get a chicken tender and a beer and, you know, read the Blue Ribbon Report and the other reports that are coming out that have us picked at the top. Um, and the reason is because we've recruited well. Yeah. And if you don't wear underpants, don't get your slacks or whatever you're wearing. Yeah, lunch, be really honestly. careful. That yeah. could be dangerous. Yes. Um, yeah, look, I echo that. You know, you think back to, you know, heading into Archie Miller's second season, and we were all very excited. There was a lot of optimism heading into his second season. And I think we've talked about, Coach, you know, we maybe willfully pushed past a few red flags because we wanted to believe, right? And so I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, kind of analyzing things that are happening. And, you know, if you see something that maybe doesn't make sense, you know, kind of talking about it. But for folks who... I guess, expected the recruiting template under Mike Woodson to look the same as it has under other coaches or like it does under other coaches now. 
there was no way that it was going to be the same. It was always going to be different. We hired an MBA coach, you know, an older MBA coach that has his way of doing things. And so I think we need to understand that it's going to be a little bit different. But the thing to also remember is that recruiting is different now. You know, there are more opportunities in the spring to get high school recruits because of coaching changes or late signees or because of the transfer portal. Now, do you always want to be waiting that long to do it? No, probably not. And is always raiding around for a Malik Renault or a Tamar Bates, you know, is that always going to happen? Probably not. But it's, you know, it's one of those things. Like, if you want to be in an uproar about it and people are telling you to be upset about it and you want to buy into that, like, I guess you can. But what's the, you know, I don't know, what's going to make your time as a fan more enjoyable? I think it's going to be better focusing on this terrific team we have which, by the way, we have because of recruiting, because of transfers, because of high school recruits, and because of recruiting our own guys, all of which the coach did a really good job of. So that evidence is pretty good so far. Um, and just wait till November. Like, more than ever now, recruiting is this full cyclical thing, and you just got to wait until the beginning of the season because of how much movement there is. Now, we get to next November, and we have this roster full of holes, and we didn't fill guys in. Let's start to get a little bit concerned about it. But I just think, man, now's not the right time. Like, we got a really good team that deserves our attention, and it's a whole lot of speculation and, you know, filling in incomplete information with the worst-case scenarios. Why do that? Like, what is the point of that? There's not – I don't see much of a reason to have that conversation out loud anyway. Um, and even if you do, there's a whole lot more evidence right now, I think, weighing in the positive direction. And so let's focus on that, see how things play out. And I think just realize that, you know, Woody's template for recruiting is different. There's no question about it. But a different template for recruiting can work now. You know, now, will it? We're going to find out, you know, but let's just wait and see and enjoy this terrific team that we have. Um, so I agree with you. Um, and so to those asking, Again, I think, you know, it's kind of choose your own IU adventure right now. If you want to go down the doom and gloom path with recruiting and look at the worst case scenario, there are places where you can do that. I would just question why you want to do that when you have this team on the court and when the actual evidence that we've seen of recruiting has all been pretty good so far. You know, so let's see this full cycle play out and remember that there are a lot of people who have been down on the 2023 class. And if there was any class that you were going to kind of look past and lay groundwork for future classes and focus on the transfer portal, it was probably this one, you know? So there's a chance if you save some open scholarships and you get some good transfers that not landing some of these guys could actually be better for next year's team because you land guys that are less projects and more immediate impacts for a front court that is going to need immediate impact because you're going to lose trace, you're going to lose race, you know, and so you're going to need immediate impact guys. So again, Choose your adventure. You want to look at the doom and gloom? I just think, man, you know, there's actually a lot of things to be positive about, um, and you don't really have to squint that hard. So anyway, that's where I stand on it, and that's not even trying to, like, pump sunshine. Like, I think that's just a sober, objective look at it. Um, it it's not that hard uh, to actually not be all that pessimistic. So, um, and here's something else to be positive about. Indiana is hosting its first pro day on October 7th, that is the same day as Hoosier Hysteria. Uh, we got a question, Coach, from Leslie, who said, explain Pro Day to us uh, and who from the NBA comes to those. Uh, is there a chance you might see Will Sheehy, Andre Patterson, Calvert Chaney? In other words, those are all guys working for NBA teams. So 
a pro day is basically a showcase for all of your players where scouts from all NBA teams, scouts and executives are invited. I would certainly think with Mike Woodson's contacts that, you know, he'll have some ins to get people there. Uh, and so it's a way to get your players seen. And probably more important than anything, it is something that you show to future recruits as how you are helping them get to the next level. Now, what, it, what does it consist of? That depends on how you want to set it up. Kentucky you know, has famously done this for a couple of years. Um, if you just search Kentucky Pro Day on YouTube, you'll actually find it because they televised it. Uh, and coach, theirs was a series of drills. You know, they went through normal you know, rebounding drills. You know, the uh, you know the the weaves and you know up and down the court doing passing drills, shooting drills. Then they played a little bit of five on five. They did shooting transition drills. So they basically did. You do things on the basketball court that will showcase your player skills and athleticism, so that scouts can come and start to get an image in their mind of how this player might you know, or might not fit at the next level. And um, they probably get measurables and do some of those things. I'm sure the scouts are available to, I would, I would assume they're able to talk to the players and, you know, do interviews, things like that. Um, so that's what it is. It's a great recruiting tool. Um, and it's a way to make sure that your players get seen by NBA scouts. Absolutely a very positive thing that Indiana is doing. Um, it's all upside. So, you know, that is the kind of thing. And, and this is where this different template from Mike Woodson, given the people that he knows and that he has relationships with, like I said, I think he'll be able to get a lot of people there that, you know, may or may not have been interested in Indiana Pro Day. Who knows? But I would bet that it's Mike Woodson, you know, helps, you know, get them there. So anyway, I think that's a, a great thing. What are your thoughts on the Pro Day? Yeah, I, I think a lot of schools probably do it. Uh, I don't know that it is a deciding thing that sets Indiana apart, but it's a nice thing to share with recruits. And, and one, if you care about your players, you want them to be great for Indiana while they're wearing the Indiana jersey, but you also care about them after they leave. And that's one of the things Coach Knight did really, really well. Uh, he took care of his players, both that went into the NBA or pursued an NBA career and those who went into the business world or, or, or took jobs after college. He cared about his people. And you can say whatever you want uh, uh, about Coach Knight. Well, this is an opportunity to say, hey, guys, you come in. I'll give you a day to show what you can do with all that, the measurables, the skills, and all that. But another thing that scouts look for is how well do you take coaching, how hard do you work, those little yeah. intangible things. Um, obviously, you're not going to turn down a guy who can jump out of the gym and dunk and do all those things. You'll take risk on those players in the NBA. But if you're looking for a second-round third – you know, not there's not third round anymore, but a second-round player, you're looking for someone that maybe is set aside in an equal talent-wise, you're going to look at how they approach um, their pro day. And, and there's some intangibles, some – um, unwritten things that, that some scouts look for, and I'm sure each scout looks for things a little differently. I, I worked once for a, a baseball scout, and he said he would go to batting practice, and then he'd leave after the first couple innings. And he said, because I want to see, if I'm going to ask someone to sign a, a contract, I want to see how they approach getting prepared to play. Uh, I don't know how much that translates to basketball, but again, with, with contracts and everything, you you kind of want to get an idea of the complete player as well as the measurables and the and what you see visually. But it, it's just a good good thing. Football does it all the time when they have the possibility, and and our talent is better on this roster. That's the other thing that everyone's upset about missing out on a couple twenty three. Uh, this the last two rosters are a lot better because of Coach Woodson, um, and we have yet to see this this year's freshmen. So. 
Yeah, um, these are all good things. I, I think we're, we're headed in the right direction. And as you said, there are some things you could pick at a little bit here and there that maybe some coaches would do a little differently or some fans would want Coach Woodson to do a little differently. But, it, you know, all of these things matter, and I think it's, they're heading in the right direction. And another headline, Coach, Blue Ribbon picks Indiana to win the Big Ten. Let's go live to Tamar Bates for reaction. Everybody come up our neck, bro. Like, we're not the hunters no more. We're the hunted. That's right, Indiana continuing to be the hunted. Your reaction to uh, <laughs> the program that has not finished higher than 500 since 2016 getting another pick as Big Ten favorites. I can see where people would would say that because a lot of times the predictions are on who's coming back and what kind of production is coming back, and there's no doubt that Indiana has a lot coming back, and that is going to improve uh, the team. But there's also a lot of unknowns, uh, players that'll pop, uh, programs that'll develop, uh, guys that we aren't aware of at a Wisconsin, a Michigan, you know, th those places that all of a sudden win a couple games. I think it's going to be, again, another highly competitive conference. The thing that I'm saying instead of Big Ten favorites is Big Ten competitors. We have not been Big Ten competitors. Uh, and so if we compete and come a game short or two, I don't think that's going to be disappointing for me. Uh, I don't think it has to be a Big Ten championship or bust type of thing. So I appreciate the preseason love that you're getting. We, we, we're seeing a sixth rank from Athlon, and, and Blue Ribbon comes out saying uh, good things about Indiana, and we've been 12th in this and 16th in that. That's just where Indiana belongs every year. And Coach Woodson has got us there in two years. And I'm just, you know, kind of being giddy about Indiana basketball being back where, you know, we all – when we fell in love with it, where Indiana basketball was. Now, are we back? I don't know. Yeah, it's got to be consistent for five or six years. But in order to get the five or six years, you got to have that first year. And, and this is the first year that we're getting that kind of publicity. So it's good. It's just good to be back where I think Indiana should be. Jim asked the question, is the pro day open to the public or at least the media? The release does not say anything about that. My assumption is no, because Hoosier hysteria is that night. Um, so I don't know that that's confirmed, but that would be my assumption. And the last thing that I want to say, Coach, that I didn't mention about the recruiting is I think how the team plays on the court this year is going to go a long way toward what they're able to do in the spring. You know, it's the coach's second year. Um, you know, Indiana did enough to write a positive story and ended with momentum in year one. You know, but now year two, especially given that you're clearly going to need to recruit bigs, well – what is going to be a better recruiting tool than if Trace Jackson Davis is an All-American and ends up getting drafted? You know, Race Thompson's getting glue guy buzz, you know, all year, and maybe his honorable mention All-Big Ten. Malik Renault comes on and is an impact freshman. Well, guess what's going to help you recruit other big guys? You now have three different stories to use to target different guys, and that's all recruiting is, is sales and a story and trying to find players who buy into your story. Well, if there's success... And there's a story that you can get that big guy to, to buy into and he can see himself in that role. That's going to help you be more likely to get him. And so that's the other thing that we don't know. You know, there's still some uncertainty around, is Indiana going to win? You're still recruiting to a program that hasn't had a winning record in the conference in half a decade. You know, so for all of the tradition, everything that we have, that's still a bit of an uphill battle. You know, now. We're able to make up for it with NIL and the tradition and the fan base. And, you know, Mike Woodson's making it cool again and like all that stuff. But, like, let's actually win and then see what we can do, you know, from a recruiting perspective. So I think that's going to matter. I know there's some debate, you know, how much does that actually matter? 
but I think it's all about context. And I think for Indiana, at the level they want to recruit at, it's going to matter. And for the specific types of players they're going to target, the way that the current players in those positions play this season, I think is going to go a long way toward you know, the impact that you're going to be able to make on those kinds of players in the spring who you're targeting. So bottom line, let's enjoy the season. Let's wait to see how the season plays out. And then let's see what the, uh, what the fallout is from there. Last word, coach, anything else you want to add? Ah, yeah, just, again, I can't say it any better, you know, um, be cautious with your expectations because as we've seen with the football expectations a couple you know last year it, it hurts hard when your expectations are are set so high but enjoy um it's just been a while since we've been mentioned uh like this like i said before so enjoy it stare at that schedule find the games you can uh see uh tune in to us on a regular basis and 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 have some fun it's good times yeah. absolutely man absolutely um, all right, let's move on to segment two. Coach, I have some questions for you about Big Ten coaches, and I want to get your candid answers and reactions. That is coming up next on the Assembly Call. Fran McCaffrey talk. That's next. Stick with us. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Well, hello, everybody out there. Man, it's nice to see triple digits. We got 103 people live. That's good for a mid-September show with no real news except doom and gloom about recruiting. (laughs) <laughs> hey Jared, here, here's a great story about Jen in the chat. I see her in the in the chat, and it reminded me. Like Jen and Tim were stopped, they came up from Texas, and and we're at the uh, tailgate. Brought some great uh, little puppy child stuff that I ate all week that I'm not supposed to eat. Thanks, Jen. But um, brought me some nice Texas beer uh, that was what kind of really Texas beer? Enjoyed. I forget the name. Jen will have to type it in the um, in, in the chat, but. When we were driving home, or when I came home, Amy drove a separate vehicle. Uh, she said, I just wish Jen and Tim lived closer. Mm. I mean, that's the kind of people we have that show up at the tailgates um, and are just really cool people. So, um, you know, kudos to Jen and Tim that uh, you impressed Mrs. Tonsoni. Um, that's not really hard to do. She loves everyone, but she really did, did, did appreciate as as well as, as all the others. Tony awesome. was there. I see Jen's in the chat. Great. So, 
mean, it's, had, you know, you know, what's special, time. I will say coach, what I love about doing this, you know, and you only get this if you've been doing what we've been doing for as long as we've been doing it. And I consider it a privilege is, you know, you remember like, you know, when we were first doing this, you know, you look over at the chat and it's just a whole lot of like names and avatars, but you don't really know who they are. And now you're looking through there and it's like, okay, Tony Stuckey, like we've hung out with him one night and sat there with, you know, him and his wife. And okay, there's Ari. Well, he actually does some production work for us now. There's Joel. We've shared beers with Joel many times. He's brought food to our, like, I'm just going up and down. Like we've, you know, like we know Coach Marlowe. Yeah. Coach Marlowe. That is special, man. You know, it that is. is really what makes this awesome. Um, I met, uh, I met Ryan's girlfriend, uh, the name that was in here a couple years ago. Um, I, I didn't even, I don't even remember his name. He works for, he works for Indiana now. He oh, came his, out. I thought you were talking about Ryan's new girlfriend. You're talking no, no, about no, not the, Ryan's new girlfriend, but Ryan's <laughs> girlfriend YouTube name. Uh, that's how he introduced himself to me. So we might have breaking news on the assembly call. I don't even, we're probably not supposed to break this news. So we'll let, we'll let Ryan break it. <laughs> but there may there may it's be it's already news. out of the bag. Ask Ryan about it next time he's on the show. But that, he came we're up all and family hi, here. We're this we're all family. Hi, I'm Ryan's girlfriend. <laughs> it's just weird to. All right, I got to get that as a drop. <laughs> um, oh, all right, let's talk. Uh, let's <laughs> let's talk coaches. Heather's like these shows are so. I was like, what are you doing? You know, are you going to wait up? She's like, the shows are so long. I'm probably going to go do something else. I was like, nah, it's just me and coach. It won't be that long. Here we are. We're 35 minutes in. We're just starting second. Two. <laughs> this is what we do. Um, okay. <clears throat> Here we go. Hey, this is Max Bielfeld, Big Ten champ and better than advertised sixth man of the year in 2016. And speaking of better than advertised, join Jared, Andy, Ryan, and Coach on the assembly call after every IU basketball game. Go Hoosiers. Love Max Bielfeld. There was an impact transfer. We need to get a Max Bielfeld for next year. Yes. That's the kind of guy that we need. That's a post player we can use. Heck yes. Who can step out and shoot the rock a little bit. And yep. always, you know, he. the thing I love about Max Bielfeld, you know, he had some games where it's like, all right, he played his 10 minutes and didn't do a lot. But when other guys weren't doing anything, always seemed like I always think about that Rutgers game, you know, at Rutgers when it kind of felt. I mean, that would have been a really bad loss, and Max steps up, you know, and that was just the kind of player that uh, that he was. Um, I'm Jared Morris. You're listening to the Assembly Call here with Coach Brian Tonsoni. We're going to talk about Big Ten coaches and the way this came about. You know, as you know, we have a private community. You can learn more about it and join us at assemblycall.com/community. And one of the things I try to do at least once a day is post a question to get some conversation going, some kind of poll question about IU basketball or sometimes even IU football, you know, that'll, you know, maybe it's a multiple choice question that has interesting options an open-ended question, but just to get some conversation going. And so I started thinking about Big Ten coaches this week. And so I asked the question, you have to pick a current Big Ten coach with one week of prep all right, to coach a generic set of players. So it's just, you know, it's a generic set of players. It's a neutral site game. Who's your choice, right? So essentially, it's a way of saying, who do you think is just the best coach? Not necessarily recruiter, not necessarily program CEO, but the guy to get in the gym with a set of players, put in a game plan, coach them up, and go win, right? Independent of, you know, who, what this set of players is. Put some options out there. And that led me to think of some other questions about Big Ten coaches. 
And I know it's one of Coach's favorite subjects, and so we decided this would make for a fun off-season episode. So let's start, Coach, by you answering the community question. What did you answer for the Big Ten coach with one week of prep that you would choose to coach a generic set of players in a neutral site game? It, it, for me, it's got to be uh, Izzo. Um, from a motivational standpoint, uh, from a basketball standpoint, I love the rebounding. Uh, I love the, the transition offense. I think that could be implemented quick. Uh, any, any set of guys is going to uh, want to play hard for him. As We've seen the way he's handled some players, and some, some people didn't like that, but, but I, I kind of do. Um, I think that would motivate people to play as hard as possible. I think basketball players like to run, so I think his offense in, in a general sense, in a quick one 10-day turnaround, uh, players would, would buy into that. Um, and, and I just think he's the best coach. Um, you know, I know there, there, there had been some concerns off the court about some of the stuff in his program, but you're, we're talking basketball here. Uh, I, I think you got one coach for one week, 10 days, Tom Izzo. Mm. I mean, his history as a tournament coach would certainly suggest, you know, that, and that's the thing, you know, I know, you know, some people picked Painter and I think he's kind of the other obvious choice. And I have a lot of respect for Matt Painter, you know, as, as a coach, obviously, I think, I think we all do, even though, you know, we don't like Purdue, obviously, but man, I would be nervous if it was Painter given some of the duds that they've had, you know, in tournaments where it's just like, huh, I really thought you were going to win that game and you didn't. Um, that would give me that would give me pause uh, on a guy the, like him. The reason you choose Painter because I think he gets a lot of who he, out of who he has. Yeah. Um, you know, until you you know even even a guy like Carson Edwards wasn't really that heralded coming in, but became a huge player. I, I think he he gets a lot out of um, I don't want to say common players because they're all pretty good, but he doesn't quite get the talent that a lot of other. Uh, other teams do uh and, and they're consistently in and that's why they get beat sometimes i know st peter's is different this year uh talent wise but th they get beat when they get to the sweet 16 or the lead eight uh because i don't think they have the depth of talent that's the north carolinas the kansas those teams um have at some point so that that's kind of I, I painter probably would be number two in, in that situation and that that's the reason because he can squeeze out of just a common set of players a, a lot of good play. And sometimes when you're facing a team of destiny like Virginia in 2019, it's just God's plan, as That's right. Titus and Tate Frazier would say. Um, okay, so let's get to some of these other questions because we've got some fun ones here. And I'm really – I don't know who you're going to answer. I sent you these questions so you could prep, but mm -hmm. I do not know who you're going to answer. So I'm very much looking forward to these. Okay, <clears throat> so the first one is, if you had to give a 10-year contract to a current Big Ten coach right now, they're going to be the coach. And, and for the rest of this, I think we should um, think about it from an IU perspective. All right. So you have to give them a 10-year contract right now. What coach are you giving the 10-year contract to? Okay. So the IU aspect is a little bit of a, a twist from my original choice. So I might have a couple answers here. But if I'm a school in the Big Ten right now, I'm Rutgers and I'm signing Coach Peichel to as big a contract as I probably can. I think he's right for Rutgers. And, and I think – uh, I had a chance to sit down. I was the only media at his breakout session for about five minutes, and he was very candid about taking jobs that are tough turnarounds, and that motivates him, and it's difficult at Rutgers, but he's not going to shy away from it. That that kind of toughness from a coach's mentality. So when oh, I, I saw I, this – Okay, so you were thinking, so for which Big Ten school would you Big give Ten their Which Big Ten school coach? should give their coach a 10-year a contract right okay. now? I, that I makes picked, a lot of sense, man. I, they need to lock him up forever. They need to lock him up because I think he <laughs> loves good. to be there. 
uh, and he's he's okay with the challenge that Rutgers uh, uh, presents. Um, you know, if you're given a, a, a if you're given a ten year contract, I have to think real quick on, on the fly here. Um, yeah, okay, man. so take take Woodson out of it because you wouldn't give Woodson right. a ten year contract. You right. know, so any other Big Ten coach that you could bring to IU and give them a ten year contract, who would you who would you feel most comfortable? Well, I think we to? go back to Matt Painter. Izzo's too too old and going to retire at some point, so I don't think he fulfills that. I think the same with Brad Underwood. I love Brad Underwood, but I think he's I don't know that he has ten years left. If he does, that that would be close. Um, so now you're getting into some some interesting interesting choices, but I, I think. Um, I would go, I would go probably Holtman, uh, if we put it at the IU thing, because I think he's young enough. Uh, I think he's displayed some ability to win. I don't necessarily like how they do things, uh, defensively, um, concerns me. I'd I'd go with Jawan Howard over Holtman, I think. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sold. Uh, the, the incident that Howard had at Wisconsin has really soured me and I'll get to that later on, on one of the, the questions that, that. That doesn't sit well with me, and I, I know you have to have forgiveness in this world, and I'm a big person of forgiveness. That was really bad, in, in my opinion. So I would not give him a 10-year contract because I forgot about that. He needs to show some maturity to get 10-year, 10-year uh, contract. Okay, next one. All right, who would you choose to coach this year's IU team? So if it's not going to be Mike Woodson. One Big Ten coach to coach this year's IU team to get the most out of them. Who are you picking? I'm gonna catch a lot of flack for this. Oh boy, Micah Shrewsbury. What? I'm taking Micah Shrewsbury because his ideas from from Boston and Brad Stevens and his ability with the NBA with with uh, TJD and some of the talent. I think he could in one year get the job done. Okay, I got to push back on this one, Coach. He's been a head <laughs> coach for one season. Yeah, he's a head as of important, a coach. As important as this season is, though, you would take Micah Shrewsbury over proven guys who have won Big Ten titles? Like, you would take Micah Shrewsbury over Tom Izzo to coach this year's team and get the most out of them? I can't. I cannot buy that. I know you love Shrewsbury. I, I can't buy that. that, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't now, let you do that. Well, no, I do. <laughs> Now, again, I didn't think everyone was a free agent. And maybe I'm backtracking on that a little bit. Um, but I thought, who could you get in here to coach? Like, I didn't think – I don't think Tom Izzo's coming to IU, right? Oh, no, but so, I know, but we're just having so, fun. But I want to know yeah, who I, you I see think that. I see that. Okay. Well, I've already gone. Every one of these questions can be Tom Izzo, right? <laughs> so, I wanted to have a little bit of variety. <laughs> I really true. believe that of the younger coaches, the, the, the coaches beneath Painter and, and, and Izzo – that would be my best choice okay. between those top two because Izzo and Painter are the elite, in my opinion. Well, this is why I wanted to do this because I knew you would have some <laughs> unique insights. And I, I know that you have a great affinity for Micah Shrewsbury. Man, I, it, I, I thought he was great. And then when I saw him speak at a coaching club, we, we have a small coaching uh, group here in the Kokomo area. And he came over uh, and, and he spoke and he showed a lot of stuff that they were doing at Purdue. Um, he, he's not going to be at Penn State very long. I actually – Hope that he he gets to like maybe get a tournament or two. Doesn't beat Indiana, but gets going because he's going to end up at a really good spot. I, um, you know, I think his experience in that is going to get him a ten year contract at a really big school. I'm just really high on him, and I thought, and maybe I spread this out a little too much when I, I tried to talk about every coach on here. Um, I'll take that. Uh, maybe that's not a, a, a good choice. I just do believe in in Shrewsbury. I, I think he can take a group for one year uh, and, and make it happen. Okay. X and O wise. 
Okay. What Big Ten coach would you choose to draw up an out-of-bounds play down to with 10 seconds to go? Man, this was my hardest one because I'm sitting back trying to remember out-of-bounds plays that were special from last year's Big Ten. Uh, Woodson had a good run coming out of timeouts. The, uh, another good question would have been which coach operates best out of timeouts. I think Woodson is under consideration there. Um, but Brad Underwood, I think, because he's a gunslinger, he's going to get that team ready to go. He's going to tell them we're going to win. He'll throw a few four-letter words at them, and they'll come out with the 10 <laughs> seconds to go and, and, and execute. But I, I do think Coach Woodson deserves some consideration here. I, I think his out-of-bounds plays were a lot better than Archie's. Uh, I think he's really good coming out of timeouts. Uh, I don't know about his use of timeouts. We've been critical of that. but um, <laughs> Just need some guys I, I think, who can make those shots because we got yeah, some good looks. And, man. And, and I know a lot of people aren't. I think Holtman offensively is pretty good, too. Uh, I wouldn't put it past him to come up with something uh, pretty solid. Okay, you are named head coach, and you get to pick a, one Big Ten coach to be your offensive coordinator and one to be your defensive coordinator. Who are you picking? Fran McCaffrey <laughs> for offensive coordinator. <laughs> I've got despite, to see this. <laughs> despite, despite the struggles I have with that man, the dude can coach some offense. Like, they score, and they score in bunches, and he gets players you never heard of to come out and drop 20. Like, I would tell him, don't talk to anyone. Don't shout at the officials. I'd give him a seatbelt. That's my job. That's your job, right? Yeah, I'd give him a seatbelt, but Fran needs to be my offensive coordinator. At some point, it's about winning. I, you know, I've told you guys a long time, I'd, I'd you know, push my mom out the door in the cold to win. I mean, and I love my mom. So um, I would hire someone like that that I might not get along well with, but have a have a little bit of a rain on him. But you have yeah, no Fran idea McCaffrey. how much money I would pay to have a reality show of you as head coach with Fran McCaffrey as your offensive coordinator. <laughs> it would be great. You guys would probably end up as best friends. <laughs> we'd win because we'd drop a hundred and hold team to fifty. <laughs> okay, well, who's your defensive coordinator? Who's running your defense? Mike Woodson. Beautiful. Okay. Fran McCaffrey, loud, obnoxious, crazy, out of control, smooth on the defensive end, right? Just, we'd just be kicking ass and taking names with that staff. Oh, I need a better awesome. head coach. I don't think I'm the, I'm the answer. But those two as offense and defensive coordinator, that would be fun, man. That would be – That would be – You know, awesome. didn't, didn't McDonald's have that uh, – that thing where if you if to tell the team under fifty points they got you got a free Big Mac or hamburger or something back in the day at IU and then they have these offensive points too like they'd be going out of business because we'd mm -hmm. be scoring an <laughs> average of ninety and giving up forty eight. <laughs> okay, now here's one that I thought you would have unique insight on. So say that all the Big Ten coaches, you know, the Big Ten ceases to exist and they all have to get jobs as Indiana high school basketball coaches. Who would succeed the most in the unique world of Indiana high school basketball coaching? Who would be the best? Um, Chris Collins at Northwestern. Really? Be because he's had to deal with um, trying to win with a, with a roster that's just tough to compete in the Big Ten um, because of the academic standards and everything else. And he was able to get Northwestern to tournament and in high school – there's recruiting that goes on. If you're talking like normal high school where you got to take the guys that show up in your school district, you can't recruit in big some big cities you can recruit in the Mount Vairds and all of those, you know, that's different. That's like mini college, the Lalamere's. But we're talking, you know, you just get hired at Western or at Delphi. Um, I think Chris Collins, because he's, he has that understanding of how to mold 
different pieces uh, together to try to compete, and his teams do compete. They haven't been successful. Uh, I think it would uh, – again, I'm just coming from the perspective that it, sometimes – I've always said this. If you start out coaching at a 4A school, sometimes it's harder to go and t- coach at a 1A or 2A with 4A being big here in Indiana. It's yeah. harder to go down to your smaller, less talented teams. If you start out at the less – talented smaller schools and learn how to coach you coach every aspect and then you go to the bigger schools you have a you know how to coach everything in basketball and you make the great players even better Mm -hmm. um that's a philosophy i talk to to people coming out here trying to be coaches in indiana so um yeah i I can't see fran coaching in high school there'd be a lot of moms at the school board you know (laughs) talking about his language and all that kind of stuff right and um you know Woodson wouldn't have 10 guys to mass sub five at a time, so you couldn't – Woodson can't do high school. I mean, we can go right down down the, the – I mean, the Woodson doesn't here. show up for high school games. If his team made the state yeah. championship, he wouldn't be there. So Yeah, you know, exactly. He, He'd just <laughs> go, go to a birthday party or something. But No, that that's who I, I thought of this afternoon because he's really had – I mean, his job answer. is, is di- difficult. The coaches at Northwestern, Minnesota, Pico at Rutgers – those jobs are really, really, really tough because, you know, the Michigans, the IUs, uh, the Michigan States, they get chances with, with some really talented kids. Uh, and, and so that's high school coaching. Sometimes you got to squeeze things out of guys that, you know, you just set screens. When the ball comes to you, throw it right back to the person who threw it to you and go set a screen. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. be creative. I think, I think Collins is as creative as they can be. I don't know that he's successful. He's not winning, but – Sometimes your record as a coach doesn't show how hard you work and how much you know. Um, he got Northwestern to the NCAA tournament. Right. He's so not been without success there. You look at a career record and you're going to say, ah, man, he's not, not, not as good. But sometimes the best coaching happens in down years and down programs. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of his. I, I, I wish he would have some success, but it's just hard. Pete Bell taught us that in Blue Chips. Did the best coaching job he ever had. And they were 14 and 15. Those kids yeah. gave me their hearts. Um, all right, so here's a question I didn't put on there. If you could go be a special assistant for any Big Ten program this year, take Indiana out of it because that would obviously okay. be the most interesting. But you go be a special assistant. Like maybe you're going to be an offensive consultant or a defensive consultant, but you'll be there. You'll be at practice. You'll be traveling. You get to be up close and kind of doing some coaching. Which, which coaching program would you want to go do that for this year? I'm pro coach. I'd go anywhere. I mean, I think that's pretty obvious. Yeah, if but- anyone gave this old guy a shot. There's right, not you, someone you get you get your choice. Yeah, is what I'm saying. I, I, there's some I would stay away from because I just don't like the way they treat other people, and that's not who I am. Um, but if I had to pick one, um, I'm going over to Illinois to to Brad Underwood. And I know I'm too crazy uh, about that program. Um, I love listening to his press conferences and, and the way he speaks, and I, I just think he's a competitor. And you know. Um, if I had a chance to, to coach with him and, and feel some of that energy, the obvious choices, again, are Izzo. Uh, I wouldn't go to Painter. As much as I love Painter, I couldn't coach uh, at Purdue. Um, but, you, you know, Izzo is the, the choice for all of these questions, um, to be honest with you. But I, I would choose to go to Illinois closer here. I would also, after talking to Peichel, I wouldn't mind spending some time with him and just seeing how he handles that adversity of being at a Rutgers and trying to win and doing so at home and, and, and getting to the tournament in a couple of years. So, uh, yeah, I could find reasons, Jared, for every single coach that I would like to go and learn something. And that's what good coaches do. Hopefully 
I'm considered a, a good or decent coach or at least above average. You go and learn from everyone. I'd go to I'd go and I'd spend a week with Fran. I'd duck though uh, if he got mad at practice. Don't want to get hit with the chair or something. But you know you can't. You can learn from Fran. You could learn from Greg Gard on you know how to take 32 seconds before you shoot and run the swing offense to death. I mean, there, there you know, um, Hoiberg. You can learn about the transfer portal and how it you know how bad it is to to depend on the transfer portal. But there's some, all these guys are good. I, I don't like to. There's coaches I don't like, and we joke about it and laugh, but they all work hard. They all want to win. They're all quality, or they wouldn't be in the Big Ten. Um, but, yeah, I, I think I'd go over to Illinois. Okay. And then let's put the coaches into tiers, right? And a couple of these would be easy, but I'm curious to see kind of where you put guys. So you've got great, you know, like they can coach at their school for as long as they want. Good. It's possible the school could do better, but it would be a risky move. Uh, too soon to tell, but I'm optimistic. Too too soon to tell, but I'm pessimistic. And then guys that you would replace. So how did you how did you put the coaches into these? Yeah, tiers? we we can make the first tier. I, I only had two: Izzo and Painter at great. Um, I, we've talked about that. I, I just think they are the best in in the Big Ten, um, and, and I think that's that that's easy. Um, there's some guys at at the good that I think are in. One that's in jeopardy, um, I, I think, of, of losing, that's Collins. I, I think Collins is a good coach. He's just in a really tough situation. At some point, they're going to have to pull the trigger and go a different direction. But I wouldn't replace him. I, I, I'd, I'd keep him for, for a while longer. But the good coaches, Underwood, Peichel, Shrewsbury, Holtman, um, and Collins. Um, so you don't even have Shrewsbury in too soon to tell, but I'm optimistic. No, I that's how high I, I, I'm, just like a, I'm just a okay. – I'm just a – I'm a, more of a huge fan now that he's at Penn State and out of Purdue. Um, and, and sometimes you get, you get in awe when you meet a guy and you talk hoops and, and he shares with a guy like me. Uh, you really – you kind of – you know, that's probably with Underwood too and Painter. I get to see these guys at the media events quite a bit and you just really see them pour, pour their soul out. And, and in, a, in a coach's meeting like that, um, he gets down and talks about why they do things and why they run this action and think about this action. Here's the counter, um, man, you get an appreciation for them. And, and every coach, if you went to, to, to that in depth of a thing, you'd get some appreciation from, he's got to prove it. Um, I thought they played really well down the stretch and watching them in the big 10 tournament last year, they were a tough out, uh, in, in that tournament. Um, so yeah, I, I think he's, he's a good coach. You could put him in that too soon. Optimistic. Uh, category, uh, I think that would fit well. But um, those were my good. Uh, the too soon optimistic is uh, Woodson. I think he's on the right path. I think Ben Johnson was impressive in his own right. He's got a hard, hard job to rebuild that Minnesota program. Uh, but I thought the the game I watched him in person from the front row, I was with Joel. Um, I just saw the way he coached, and, boy, he got a lot out and scared Indiana for the first half before Indiana came back and put it away. And, I thought they were more competitive, even in a in a tough losing season. I'm pretty optimistic that he's going to have a good shot, and I think Willard at, at at Maryland has done a good job at Seton Hall. We'll see if he can do that in the Big Ten. I, I think they're not enough to be pessimistic yet. It's just way too soon with him. He's done some decent job competing against us uh, recruiting wise, as we mentioned earlier. Um, but that's too soon to be optimistic. Um, I think it's too soon. Pessimistic is Howard. I think he's pretty good. But the incident is going to weigh heavily on on 
can he continue to do that? Uh, and like I said, you got to be able to forgive in this world. We, we have too much of, of not forgiveness in every walk of life. Um, but that really bothered me that he got to that level of physicality in, in a game. Uh, and so I'm a little pessimistic about what kind of leader he is. I think great X and O. I think he loves Michigan. I love listening to him talk at the Big Ten. But I'm a little pessimistic about his approach and, and how he does things. So let me let me push back on that a little bit because there is a whole lot of irony of an IU basketball podcast being pessimistic about a guy who had one kind of physical incident given the history of our greatest coach, who we all love and had his share of incidents and had his share of inability to control his temper at times, uh, but still on balance had a wonderful career and the good parts of his coaching won out until the very end, obviously. Um, you know, I, just think, I think it's I think it's worth pointing that out um, because Juwan it's Howard, fair. you know, he has done some good stuff. Now I agree, obviously, you know, look, I mean that that was such a high profile incident, and that's not the only one. There's also the weird thing when he's like yelling at Mark Turgeon. Remember that? Right. Right. So he's had a couple of them, right. um, and, and that's why I put him in the too soon. I think it's too soon to make a judgment. Yeah. Okay. Because he gets it. He you know he gets a chance and I'll be honest the last three in the last category I don't really like talking about that with coaches but you asked a question so I'm gonna tell you why I put three coaches in the last uh tier um but yeah I, I think we need to watch him I think he's a good coach I think he he, he does a good job he's motivating I, I I left the Big Ten media days last year really impressed with Howard um and the way he approached the media and, and talked about his team so yeah. Um, that's kind of why I, I put him there um, okay. in that one. Um, and the final one is, what do you, you know, replace him now? Guys, the guys that you would replace. Yes. Guys, Let's guys that I would replace. And you I think, took it from the school. You think their school could do better? You think their yes. school could do better? I think their school could do better. I think Greg Gard uh, does a decent job. He's got that team wins with a style that's not very popular. He gets guys in that can play that style. Um, but he had some team chemistry issues. You know, there was some conversation. Every coach does, too, so that that's unfair. Um, but if I'm looking long-term for Wisconsin, can he continue this? And are there coaches out there that I want to go get right now or soon enough that could maybe bring a different brand of basketball? The problem is you got to be careful what you wish for. We had a coach in Bill Mallory. We wanted a little different brand uh a football and then football has been a struggle bus ever since so i'm not advocating for any coach to be fired you'll never hear coach tonsoni say that but i think these you know there's some reason i think fred hoiberg is an obvious choice uh, i think he's just struggled to win and consistently get guys in and stay in the program so i think with nebraska possibly can do better and you know you know they don't have a history of hiring good coaches scott frost um but um <laughs> And then, you know, as much as I love Fran's offense, I think Fran's good. I would not suggest getting rid of Fran either. But at some point, the the Fran con or whatever it's called, the the anger stuff, um, schools move on from from that because at some point he's going to lose a couple years in a row, and that's that's when schools are going to move on. And that's the danger in having that that kind of personality. We kind of saw that with our guy. Uh, night down the stretch, uh, people started moving away a little bit because of the losses and the first round exits and and some of those things uh, started going. Then then that that kind of thing plays well when you're winning. Uh, w- when you don't win, th- those are the times. And so um, 
his actions bother me a little bit from the coaching perspective. I've gotten technicals. I've gotten on officials. I don't necessarily like officials. Um, but <laughs> that that's that's he's a little over the top um, in, in that aspect. Uh, and the fact that he, he he coaches very little defense or he coaches defense, but he plays too many types and, and the teams lose because of defense every almost every year. Um, I think that's an opportunity for someone to say they could go better, but, but yeah, I, I am pro coach and I hate it. I've been, I've been let go uh, from a coaching job. It's not fun for family, uh, for your spouses, for anything. Um, and, and so I, I just sit, can't sit here and clamor for someone to get fired, even though I'm a member of the media now. Um, but, but those are the guys that I don't think the program is maximized. And so to answer your question, um, I think there would be some consideration to go out and maybe try to find a different style for, for my university if I was running those universities. That segment was much more entertaining than I thought it was going to be. That was good stuff, Coach. I really I got I got vilified by Jared Morris, the nicest guy for my Micah Shrewsbury. Well, but that's but, okay. But that's good. But it, but it I, made but, it but, interesting. It made but it interesting. I, 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 I get, what, well, I I get what you're saying. Um, but, yeah, that's um, this was fun. This yeah. was fun. Except the the out of bounds question wasn't fun because I really didn't have a good answer for that and and I didn't like I didn't like I thought it was an appropriate question that you asked the last one but again from a coaching perspective man we, yeah that don't know their their rear end from you know a cross screen um, so I'm very protective of, of coaches but that needs that, to be the, the best I can give for you. the assembly call we don't know our rear end from a cross screen <laughs> uh well that was awesome coach I, I appreciate your insight those of you listening if you have things that you agree with that you disagree with hit us up on twitter as always at assembly call and at sony 42 uh sony 42 let us know but that was good stuff coach i really enjoyed that thank you that was fun all right coming up in our final segment we got a few good questions from the folks in our community and we'll open it up to those of you who are here live as well if you all have questions put them in the chat we're going to answer those next in our mailbag segment stick with us on the assembly call It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Thank you. That was fun. That was fun. There are so many good coaches. I mean, you could go through this whole list and find out yeah. the strengths are greater than the weaknesses. It's just it's personal preference, too. You know, your list would be different. Ryan's would be different. Andy's would be different um, based on, on, on what you want to see and what you believe is, is happening, right? I, I really like the point that you made about Chris Collins. Um, you know, like you just – you can't judge – 
him, you know, like a normal Big Ten coach. He's at Northwestern, you know, yeah. and he's had more success at Northwestern really than anybody. I mean, they've recruited better. They made a tournament. Like, I think they'd be crazy to get rid of him, honestly. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, because that's always the question. Like, are you going to do better? You know, and that was the thing. It's like, you know, when when things went south under Tom Crean. It's like, all right, you know, we had good times with Tom Crean. You know, he really did some stuff. So it's, can we do better? Yeah, I think we can, actually. I think there's reason to think we can. So it's smart to move on. But, man, Northwestern, I don't know. Like, yeah. you know, I mean, I don't, I don't know that they could actually do better than him. And there, there there's a lot of coaching changes that you got to be careful what you wish for. I mentioned one about Coach Mallory because it hits home. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't have changed the cream thing, but we didn't make – it turned out we didn't make a good decision with Archie despite how much I think he's a good X and O guy. He wasn't the right guy for the program. So, you know, that set a – you know, that didn't make us better. That, that just delayed, delayed getting better. And with every hire, as, as you said about Coach Woodson, there, there's a different template. Every coach has a different template. And one of the things that I look at in coaches is do you have a philosophy and do you believe in it and do you coach to it? And as much uh, as I give Fran McCaffrey, he has a philosophy. He wants to coach offense, and he's going to do it that way, and he does it that way, and he's proud of it, and he does it. And to me, that that that's not bad. And same with guard. Uh, I don't like that style. I, I, I don't like Greg Gard necessarily and, and some of the things I, I, I've interpreted him saying, but he's got a philosophy. It's a Wisconsin philosophy that's won um, since, you know, Bennett and those guys were there. So – that's the thing that I try to look at. The coaches that flip-flop and try to do this and try to do this and change all the time. I mean, the guy, the former guy at LSU that, you know, had a big, you know, uh, the deal, whatever he said there. To Those are the kind of coaches that just get under my skin that put a bad name for, yeah. you know, for the coaching profession. All right. Let's answer some questions. Here we go. It's Ethan Happ, and I never listen to the assembly call, especially the episodes that Ryan is on. Well, Ethan, hopefully you are listening uh, tonight. Ryan is not here, and Greg uh, Card catching some catching some flack tonight. So if you're listening. Uh, call and defend Greg Gard if you'd like to. I'm Jared Morris. I'm here with the coach, Brian Tonsoni. Uh, just had a really fun segment talking about Big Ten coaches. And now, coach, is time for our mailbag. All of these questions submitted via our private IU basketball discussion community, which you can learn more about and join at assemblycall.com slash community. And now's a great time to join because things are going to ramp up. You know, things, you know, a little slow over the summer. They pick up some with football and they really pick up for basketball. Uh, so make sure that you join us. A lot of good folks in there. Assemblycall.com slash community. Um, okay. So let's hit some of these questions. And I thought this first question was really interesting, Coach. This is from Jeff. He said, assuming he doesn't suffer a significant injury and plays the entire season, if Trace Jackson Davis is not the leading scorer on this year's team, so we're assuming he's not the leading scorer, who is and why? Oh, I think it's X. I mean, mm. if TJD's not the leading scorer, I think I think it's I think it's X. Uh, I, I think his ability with the ball in his hands um, to get downhill, his, his spot up three shooting was was pretty good. I think he's going to have opportunities now. The percentage of points per opportunity or whatever that stat is, um, 
that he might not be, be the highest. Um, I, I think it's going to be X. Would we like to see a, a Tamar or a Hood Shafino or someone like that step up? Yes, that would be good because they're hitting threes and they're scoring. But I think TJD is going to have the ball in his hands, and I think X is going to have the ball in his hands. If someone outscores TJD, I think it's going to – my first thought would be X. Interesting. I can see why you would say that. Um, I would disagree because, um, I mean, X is going to have the ball in his hands. But, you know, you've got Jalen Hood-Shafino around two to maybe take some of those minutes. Now, that could move X off the ball. And maybe, you know, with he, he was an efficient three-point shooter last year off the ball. You know, so maybe that helps him. But I really, you know, I don't I, – I, I can't see a world – where he actually ends up as the leading scorer, certainly not a world we want to live in. I don't think that would be a good thing if he's the leading scorer, given the other options. Um, but to me, I think the guy who's most likely, and I, I, I really think this is the, the only option that I would consider within the realm of possibility, is if Tamar Bates takes a major leap. Because he's the one guy that has the potential. Now, it's a lot of potential right now. You look at his numbers from last year, there's nothing suggesting this is going to happen. And it's a wild hypothetical, you know, as Jeff said. But I think if it's not Trace, because this program still orbits around Trace, um, I think it's going to be a guy who can score in a lot of different ways. Um, and if Tamar becomes that guy, he's going to play a lot of minutes. You know, ultimately, it'll be lineups revolving around you know, Trace and Tamar with, you know, Huchifino and, and X kind of splitting some point guard duties, probably play a lot of three guards. Um, but, I, but I really think it would have to be a guy like Tamar who can score in a lot of different ways. I don't think it's it would happen. It's like a 0.05% right. chance. But I think Trace is as locked in as this team's probable leading score as maybe you're ever going to see. Um, so I think if I had to put any money on it, I would put it on tomorrow for the potential we haven't seen the evidence but it's about the potential and i might have been leaning a little more for the evidence that i think x was the second best player but we're a better team if you're right yes there's no doubt if if tomorrow's close enough i mean the scenario is is kind of tough to deal with without tjd being the leading scorer but if he's even close enough or he's the second leading scorer we're it's huge for this team so I really want you to be right and me to be wrong on that. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's down to those two, given the question from Jeff. Yeah. Uh, from Jim Tom Hoosier, what will the non-conference record need to be for you to consider it a success? I think this is a pretty easy question. What do you think? Um, f- for a success, I think nine and two. Yep. I think splitting the four uh, tough games, anything above that, nine, ten, or eleven wins would be a success. Um Eight, we could still survive. Um, seven is not very good. That means you probably lo- either lost to someone you shouldn't have lost to, and it's going to be bad on our, our resume, or you lost all four top-notch games, which is not good for the quad one, quad two resume for where we want to be. Yeah, I mean, look, we're the Big Ten favorite, right? We're top 15, somewhere in there between 10 to 15. Like, I, I would like to see us – you know, only lose one game in the non-conference. But if we lose two, given the schedule, I think that's reasonable. But yeah, any more than that, and I think it's going to be really hard to consider it a success. You know, now it may not be an abject failure if you go eight and three, to your point. Like you can recover from that, but I wouldn't consider it a success. I think Correct. two losses max for it to be a success. And, and and you can find reasons how Indiana can lose all four of those games. 
Like sure. Xavier's much improved. It's in on their home place. Uh, that place is going to be uh, jacked up. It's a Friday night. Um, that's going to be a real tough environment. But if you are running with the big dogs, you go in and win that game. Arizona uh, had a really good year last year. They've had some changes in their in their roster, uh, but that's in Vegas. That could be you could understand where that and that doesn't any one of these losses um, doesn't mean Indiana's bad, but accumulation of them means they missed out on opportunities to build their resume. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think a split has to has to happen or should happen. Uh, from Tom, when does practice officially start? Do you know? Isn't it like backdated uh, 42? Yes. I think it's 42 days from or 42 practices, and you have to have a day off every week or 36, something like that. Somehow I want to say six weeks from yes. the opening day of the regular season, I think. Yeah, you're right. On May, it's not exhibition, right? It's the regular season opening. The first day that you could have an intercollegiate event in November 8th or 9th or something like that. Yeah. It's six weeks prior to that i don't have a date i'm not smart enough to figure it out right now so yeah no you're right on that um yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to find it i'll I'll try to get the official when the official is but that's generally uh when it would be practice yes talking about practice um all right coach from phil what uh quote behind the scenes rumors or info do you have about the current players and status of recruits I, i i don't have a lot of 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 stuff that is shareable, Phil, um, I, I think. But the stuff that I'm hearing is, you know, I, I think the two freshmen and Banks, too, you could throw Banks, the three freshmen, there's been a lot of good talk that has found our way back to us, um, you know, about just how they play, uh, how hard they play, how big Renault's legs are. Uh, I've heard comments like that. Uh, so, you know, I haven't laid eyes on any of them in a competitive setting, Um yet but it you know and that you don't know who's saying that or why they're saying that those kinds of things but I've heard nothing but positive positive things about how the guys are working and and playing and and, you know um other than that that we talked about Paige we've kind of heard that Paige is we're in the top four but Paige is maybe questionable in in our way that's the other kind of thing that 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 we've heard but um no, I, again, I go back to the very beginning of what we said, Jared. It's it's all good right now, um, and, you know, things are, are looking up. The guys are working hard, and and we're just about ready to talk about something real instead of uh, asking, you know, this old coach some coaching questions, and that's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, most of the stuff I've heard is the is the same as you. Um, and, I, and, by the way, I am working on getting an Indiana basketball coach to come in for our private community members and do kind of a Q and a uh, at some point before the season to just ask someone directly about this stuff, who would know uh, working on that. Um, so we'll see if that is able to come to fruition. Cause that would be a lot of fun. Um, I have actually, so this whole idea of kind of, you know, like behind the scenes rumors and info and stuff, you know, just cause of the, the position that we've been in with, you know, kind of developing the show and people that we've gotten to know and all that stuff you know, we, we've been able to become privy to more of that kind of stuff. Um, and I got pretty excited about that when it first started to happen. Cause it was really interesting to start to get some of this behind the scenes stuff and some of that. 
And I, you know what I found is I don't really, I don't seek it out anymore and I actually don't enjoy it. I actually kind of enjoy watching the team and the season play out without some of that information. Now, some of it still comes. Um, I don't know. I, I just kind of found myself enjoying the discovery of it with everybody else. Um, so I'll probably have less and less of that stuff. Cause I just, I like being a fan and actually, I don't know, you know, sometimes you, you hear stuff and the more, you know, I don't know, like I just want to kind of watch the team play for 40 minutes. Um, and you know, get to know guys in situations where we can, like when we had them at Switchyard and things like that, like interacting personally with individuals I love. And that opportunity is great, but kind of diving into all the rumors and behind the scenes stuff. I don't know. It's not as interesting to me anymore. And it's not um, because I care less. It's just because I found the fan experience to actually not be as enjoyable. Um, So, and that's just me. And maybe I'm weird like that. And maybe it's just because I was getting a lot of it at the time when things weren't really good. So it's like, I don't want to hear this stuff anymore, man. I just want to watch some basketball. Um, But I just, I just kind of don't seek that stuff out as much. Um, I, I, I like, I just like discovering the team through what we get to see. Um, I think, I think it's kind of more fun. I, I, I overly state the fact that I'm not in practice. Uh, I don't see what's going on in practice. I don't, I, I don't know what the philosophy is in the coach's meeting room. All of that is to say, um, until I see stuff with my eyes, I'll give an opinion w- with my eyes. But you, you make a really good point. Sometimes you hear stuff, and the question I come is, who's giving that to so-and-so who gave it to me, who gave it, you know, or, or how did it get to me, and, and is, there, is there any story behind the storytellers? Yeah. Um, you know, some of the stuff has turned out to be true, and, and some actionable things have happened, and some of the things that I have heard through the grapevine have been n- nothing that the person who kind of shared it with me or the person who shared it with, you know, down the line. So I'm very cautious to, to state stuff publicly that I hear unless I have it verified or I have it uh, that I can do that because ultimately, Jared, you're right. This is a, this is, we're fanboys, um, as some people like to call us. Um, but I think we're fair. Uh, these are young men. Uh, the coaching staff works really hard. We, we are critical of things that we see or interpret by watching the games and, and what we hear. I think that's fair, but we do it in a fair way. That's what most of the people who joined this community uh, that's why I joined way back when, when it was YouTube, and, and I first connected with you because it was a place to get honest evaluation, good and bad, without the shock jock uh, wanting to get clicks because you're making um, waves. And it, it's not uh, – we Let benefit – jump from, in real quick. Yeah, we benefit a lot um, from from our notoriety. It's been good for us individually, uh, but it, it really isn't about, you know, look at look at what I can uncover – um, so I can share what I, I think I can share, but a lot of times I don't because I just don't know how accurate it is. And I don't know that that's fair to the people in the program trying to win for Indiana basketball. Yeah, I, I do like having the ability, you know, if there's a question, being able to verify, um, an assumption or something that said, I do like having that ability to reach out to people and, you know, to make sure that, you know, we're not saying things that aren't true or. You know, sometimes that happens when we're analyzing um, a game. And it's like, we don't really know why that decision was made. If you can actually talk to somebody who understands why that decision was made, something, you know, that can help shed light um, on something and then we can share that. Um, But yeah, a lot of the other stuff, 
you know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know. It's one of those things, you know, like I think back to, you know, when I had the most fun watching Indiana basketball. Right. And it was in the early nineties when I had no idea what was going on, except showing up for the games and watching those guys play and they won and kicked a lot of ass. So that helped. But also the first couple of years we did this show. And again, really fun teams that kicked a lot of ass, but we didn't know anything that was going on behind the scenes. We're watching games and reacting to them. And, you know, I just I found that the least enjoyable times I've had doing this show and like being a part of this is when I was getting bogged down in that kind of stuff. Maybe they're not related. I don't know. But it's just it's kind of a change that I've made just in how I approach what we do. Um, you know, I, I like being able to have the informed conversations, but there's also something about just kind of watching this team unfold, you know, and watching the games unfold and that sense of, uh, you know, of discovery and unknowns. You and know, that, there's that comes full that circle like. for, for what we said at the very beginning. We'll make a judgment on the recruiting class when it's finalized, uh, yeah. whether that be transferred or whatever. When we see the final, then we can say the miss here was bad or this was bad here. There's yeah. a whole lot of speculation that go, And I know that's for some people that's the fun part uh, of sports. Sure. Um, and to some, we all get involved in that a little bit. Um, but it, we go back to the recruiting thing too is – the recruiting's been really good up to this point. We've had a few misses lately. The momentum, yeah, maybe it stalled a little bit, but that doesn't mean that it's dead. And we're going to operate on what we see, not on what we hear. Someone tells us why this recruit didn't come or why that didn't come. That can't be verified. Um, but, yeah, let's just appreciate the fact that Indiana's getting a lot of love in these preseason magazines, and, and rightfully so. And and uh, hopefully we have a year full of great shows and great stories. That's right. That's right. We need it. You know, like I said, in the banner moment, like it, it, it really feels like the program needs to live up to some of this potential, you know, they may not have to win the big 10, you know, but this needs to be a good season. It really does. I feel like we're all, we're all ready for it, you know, and it, it needs to happen. And really, I think springboard us last year needed to be a springboard towards something better this season that can help us continue to, uh, to move forward coach any final thoughts uh from you you want to give a prediction for saturday's game noon kick yeah, right? I, against western Kentucky. it's a noon kick against western kentucky a couple things look for um a tweet for me if you're at the game uh, i will be at the walk which is between assembly hall and memorial stadium where the players walk to the stadium um and then i'm going to go to the big 10 tailgate show uh, right after would love to sit and talk for an hour or so or half hour whatever if you want to come talk and say hello that's the time when i will be uh, available um, bring your favorite beverage and, and come have a conversation with me. Also, probably at halftime uh, around section 11 through 14 out in the concourse somewhere, maybe in the north end zone, if you want to come and talk about halftime. I think Indiana, um, I, I haven't been super impressed football-wise yet. I think there's a lot of issues, but it's nice to be 2-0 and with the issues. Uh, I think this game's tight, uh, but I think Indiana's the, the better program. I don't think Western Kentucky's as good as they were last year. Uh, they're capable of beating Indiana, um, but I, I think Indiana wins by a touchdown. Let me ask you this. Um, it's really easy to spin narratives, you know, based on what happens, right? So it's like, okay, you know, Indiana had, you know, you have this last second comeback win against Illinois, and then, you know, you play this terrible first half against Idaho, but you come back and win. And so you look at it from my perspective, right? If I'm putting together a banner moment for IU football, it's, hey, this program that clearly forgot how to win last year and do what it takes to win, now they've won these two games, 
in disappointing fashion, but in ways that in some ways help them rebuild their belief that, hey, we can do this because we've had adversity in both games. Now, a great team isn't going to have adversity against teams like that, but this was never going to be a great team. This was going to be a team that was going to have to scrape and claw and fight and kick and scratch to win, and that's what they've done. And is there something, too, from a coach's perspective, the muscle memory they've built over these two games, to use a phrase that Zach Osterman likes to use, you know, is there something to that being important, or is this just a mediocre to not very good team that, you know, beat a couple other mediocre to not very good teams and it's not going to carry forward against bigger teams in games that matter more? No, I, I think winning breeds winning and losing breeds losing. The, the bottom line, though, it's no guarantee. Like, the, the, the come-from-behind win late against Illinois, a heck of a lot better than a loss. Uh, the second half, the third quarter performance offensively was just unbelievable to watch, but it was against Idaho. So there's a lot of caution that you need to have in those two scenarios. But, yes, it does get Indiana back to winning, back to that belief that Coach Allen uh, tries to instill in his players, and that can go forward um, and, and pull you uh, through a, another tight game like I expect um, – uh, this weekend does it mean Indiana's going to get to six or seven? No, uh, those are the technical aspects, Jared, that they have to fix the, the blocking, the running scheme, those types of, of things. But I will say this: I think the defense is getting back to to what it was um, in in 2020. I like the way they fly around. the The McCullough kid is just a fun watch, like just unbelievable to watch. So um, I, I think teams are going to have difficulty to the level, not the big schools will have a little. But I think Indiana's defense is the reason they will win games. Uh, and if the offense can get to some average or a little bit above average, then they'll be a little more competitive. So, yeah, it helps um, because you have a good week of practice. The guys are fired up. Uh, you get that third win, and now you're real close to a bowl game. Uh, that that definitely helps. But there's a lot of X's and O's and fundamentals that are still questions to whether that belief is enough. Uh, Ted Lasso's coming out, right? It's nice to have the sign that says belief, but, you know, they were relegated and haven't played very well. Um, so, you know, you, you can have all that positive vibes, but you still got to go out and, and win the games. So there's you know, still and left I guess this out is there. Where, this is where coaches really earn their money, right? Because the flip side of that narrative, again, it's, you know, just if we're just writing up narratives – you could also say, well, here's this Indiana team that won a couple of games against subpar opponents that maybe they shouldn't have, and now they're going to think they're a little bit better than they are, and if they don't continue to stay humble and keep working hard, maybe reality is going to smack them in the face when they start you know, playing better teams. But this is where the psychology part of coaching is so important. Can you you know, help them draw the confidence they need but maintain the humility and not be overconfident, which is clearly part of what we saw last year and that they didn't do a very good job of. So it's going to be interesting. Yeah. You know, all these narratives only really, they only truly make sense in hindsight when you see how it plays out. But it's interesting to be in this spot after those couple of wins and how does a program that really struggled to handle success over the last calendar year, how do they do it? You know, how do they do it now? Is there a different level of maturity that, and humility? Because if it yeah, is, that, I think they can be okay. You yeah, know? you're absolutely correct there. The concern being is they laid an egg against Idaho for the first half after a big emotional win, Big yeah. Ten win. 
brought back some of those memories of the up and down uh, emotions. The nice thing is they went into halftime and got the light switch turned on and really came out and dominated. But you worry about what happened last year was everyone just expected to roll out, it seemed like, and were overconfident and just got smacked around and then the injuries happened. We've already seen the up and down nature of play and emotions already this year. And luckily they survived those two, but you're absolutely right. Do they learn the lesson and go forward, or is this going to be an up-and-down um, thing? And football is just an emotional sport, and, and and you only got 12 chances, so you got to be emotional every game. But sometimes you got to have that even keel to go out there and, and get things done. The defense will bring that along. I think the defense is going to help that. Uh, I think Indiana's going to be in a lot of games, whether they win them or not, because of the defense. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's always hopeful. But um, – you know, Western Kentucky barely beat uh, Austin P. Um, uh, and didn't look good in that game. Uh, built up a lot of stats. Uh, then they went and played probably the one of the worst teams in in Division One in Hawaii. Michigan beat Hawaii sixty-one to something. So you can't look at Western Michigan's stats and really think that they're better because they make, you know, they their offensive stats are better than Indiana's offensive stats. If they had played Illinois and and Idaho. Th- their offensive numbers are a whole lot different. So, um, you know, um, I-, I don't think that Western Kentucky team is as good. I think they're capable of beating Indiana, but not as good as last year. That was bonus IU football talk, a subject that we dabble in casually, but make sure that you check out our friends at Crimson Cast, of course, also at Hoosier Huddle. And the Mind Your Banners podcast. We're really fortunate, man, to have and you know the IU students, you know, do some some good football talk. So there's a lot of sources for uh, for IU football talk. Um, I don't know how good the team is, but I really find Indiana football kind of fascinating this year. Um, it's just an interesting story. You know, can they redeem themselves after last year? And I think there's a lot of interesting young players. Um, so anyway, number eight fo- on defense. Watch for number eight. I think that's McCullough's number. Um, or is it zero? He's zero. Zero. He's zero. Zero. My bad. He's so fast, Coach can't even. Yeah, the number. numbers were. <laughs> Look him up. Get the right number. He is fantastic. And their wideouts are pretty good, too, the Matthews and Camper. Those, those are yep. good, good athletes, fun to watch. Absolutely. Um, okay. Well, that is going to do it for us on this week's episode of The Assembly Call. My wife was right. We went an hour and a half, as she <laughs> predicted we would. If you want to see us do the show live, join us at assemblycall.com on Thursday nights for the live broadcast of our Assembly Call radio recording. Thank you to Bob Thompson for producing our music. Thank you to John Ringer of rigdesign.com for designing our logos. And thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back to talk IU basketball next Thursday night. Until then. Take it from the green light himself. Keep your elbows in, eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. All right, I got to get out of here, folks. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming out. Here I come. This is Don Sony. <clears throat> oh, and by the way, uh, if you want to get some IU women's basketball talk, go back in the Assembly Call feed an episode and check out Jeff and Kathy with Amanda Foster, who is covering IU women's basketball for Inside the Hall this year. Uh, and they had some good IU women's talk. Uh, and be on the lookout for doing the work to uh, get their own feed. I think at some point, Coach, we will have them on an episode of the Assembly Call and officially launch them off uh, into this new season because I think Jeff and Kathy are doing an awesome job. 
tons of enthusiasm there, and I'm very, very excited uh, to continue uh, the coverage that we'll have for the IU women's basketball team. Another uh, really, really interesting uh, sports program at Indiana um, that I'm looking forward to seeing how their season goes too. So, Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Coach, thank you. Um, I hope uh, folks take you up on your offer to, you know, talk Micah Shrewsbury and Penn State basketball with you after the walk, uh, your favorite subject. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get my Penn State hat off the wall over here and wear it for the next podcast. Do you have a Penn State hat? Do you have a hat for all the teams, all the Big Ten teams? Yeah, I don't know if you can. Uh... Oh, yeah. Those are there all you college go. hats over there. Okay. On the wall. Except Very for nice. Purdue. Good. I don't have a Purdue hat. There, there's, I think I got 105. 105 Different hats? colleges. Yeah. Wow. Fitted hats. You, and have you worn them all? Like, how do you accumulate those? Like, I've worn a, worn a lot of them. Now a lot of them are unwearable because the, the moisture down here, it's shrunk a little bit and my head's gotten a little bigger uh, for a variety <laughs> of reasons probably. But um, So I buy a couple new ones every year. Um, to wear around um i also have a hat stretcher when i want to wear one like if i have a north carolina polo i'll stretch the north carolina hat out the night before so i can wear the north carolina i'm big on color coding shoes shirts and hats i don't know why i'm ugly as as hell uh why i need to look good with clothes but that's just a big thing with me so yeah i'm like looking it. at there's a houston hat penn state gonzaga auburn texas tech just to my left and um wow. Very try nice. to pair them with some of the polos and the home field gear that I have. Very nice. It's an illness. College, no, man. Gear. You just you love college sports. It's okay. Yeah, it's just it's great. It it is all the way around. You're absolutely right. That's awesome. All right, well, coach, enjoy the game on Saturday. Cheer loud. Hopefully, the Hoosiers yep. bring home another W. And uh, we'll be back next week. Yep. I think Ryan and Andy will be here. Um, I don't know what we're. Gonna I'll be cover. available next Thursday. Okay. If there's any topics hey, you guys real, want real to cover this offseason, let us know. Yeah, this is a great story about teaching. So I got some guys, and and, and they're not the best students. And we'll just put it that way. I won't mention <laughs> their names, but they're little hellions, right? <laughs> and a couple of them are like Coach Tonsoni sized. All right. So they said that they want to take me to a buffet, and they call us the Buffet Boys. And we've invited two skinny hellions to go with us, but we got a party of seven. Six students and me, I'm buying Cane's, the ch uh, chicken strip, Kentucky. <laughs> it's not Kentucky Fried Chicken, but they want to take yeah. me to Cane's, so I'm buying a big 50-piece. We're just going to go and eat. That's my cheat day next week um, with these uh, these hellions um, that I teach. Uh, we're meeting in Lafayette at Cane's, and I'm buying them dinner uh, Thursday before the show, so I don't know how responsive I'll be if I eat a lot of – a chicken strips, but it's 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 one of the cool things um, That's cool. in teaching that you get to have relationships with all kinds of different students, um, and and I have a knack for for some of the toughest kids and making them feel good, and so they they want to go out to eat with uh, with their teacher. So so next Thursday I, I'll be here, but I might be a little food drunk, uh, uh, but I'll give it my best shot. But they they just make me smile. This yeah, they they just. The, the one dude, when they found out I had a heart attack, he texted me. He goes, you scared the shit out of me. I mean, that's just what he texted me. He had no problem doing saying that to the teacher. And I was like, well, thanks. Nice. Thanks, Dillman. I appreciate that's it. That's good that you have that kind of relationship with him. Clearly, they feel comfortable with you. 
Um, yeah, and they good. brought me lunch and when I was out of school. And, and th- so next Thursday is going to be a, a fun. But that, you know, everyone has value. That's our big motto in our, in our class. Everyone has value. I don't care what your grade is, what your past is. Everyone has value. And, and it, it's getting me to spend a night at Cane's before assembly call. So That's awesome. but I, I just like sharing that because there, there are people that struggle in this world, but they're good people. I like the Hellions. And the troublemakers. So that's my that's my thing next Thursday. Yeah, they, right. they are, man. They this one dude, I think he comes to school like thirty percent of the time. Oh well, that's probably not great. Hmm. But who knows, you know, man. Okay, so one more thing. Yeah, that's not great. But so one more thing before we go. Did you see the the um, the clip you mentioned Ted Lasso earlier? The clip from Ted Lasso that was circulating around. I retweeted it from the Assembly Call account. It's that great scene. It's, it's I have to go back scenes. and look. One of the best scenes in the show when he's playing darts uh, and he's awesome and, uh, you know, and he ends up, you know, winning. Yes. And uh, and he, you know, he talks about the quote from Walt Whitman that he saw and, you know, how he used to get bullied when he was a kid. And he finally realized, you know, okay, but these guys don't know me. They're not interested in me. So they're picking on me, but they don't know me. So why would I care? He talks about that quote, you know, be curious, not judgmental. Um, As soon as I saw that, I knew that was going to be my motto for this season for the assembly call. And it's an interesting balance to try and strike for an analysis show. Cause every time we get on here and we're judging how the team played and trying to analyze <laughs> it, but I think, you know, there's a way to do it with curiosity. Um, that is probably, that is the most fair to the subjects that you're analyzing. And again, as I was mentioning, like, I'm not, I'm not interested in finding out like rumors and stuff about the team, but I am interested in finding out truth. Um, and, you know, coloring in uncertainties. And so being curious about, you know, maybe reasons why things happened and trying to use the position we have to, you know, to maybe actually find answers to those questions. Um, you know, going to some of the Zoom pressers, which I've never really done before, um, you know, but may try to start doing. But man, I thought that quote and just that scene is so great and such a good reminder because it's so easy, especially in this day and age, and especially on Twitter. It's very yeah. ironic to find that on Twitter, which is the most judgmental <laughs> place on earth. Um, but that's why it's a good reminder. It's so much better to be curious and ask questions. And, you know, it's like, and what got me thinking about that, you know, it's so easy. Oh, okay. The student, you know, only shows up 30% of the time. And it's really easy to just make all kinds of judgments. But what's his story? Like, why is that? What is the reason for that? What maybe does he have going on that causes that to happen? Absolutely. Um, and so just that idea of, of just being curious, it's, I mean, I think like in almost any walk of life, I mean, that's going to, you know, help you out and help your interactions out with other people. So, you know, I'm, I'm at, agree. so those of you who are here listening, couldn't agree more. I'm telling you right now, that is my motto for the upcoming season. And if you find me falling short of it, you can pull this clip or you can remind me. Be like, man, you're being a little too judgmental. How about we add a little curiosity? And, and we will do that because that's what I'm going for this year. You, you have, for the 10 or 11 years, you have been way on that side for many years, whether it was your motto or not. Well, good. I appreciate you saying so. That's why the show is the way it is. Well, Just a, a little bit of public praise because you lift people up and you try to – be honest and fair um, without, you know, being too pointed. So it's a great motto, but you live it, dude. You are, you are the example of that. So, well, thank you. Let's, let's keep keep up the good work. Keep it going. You know, when we're six and four in non-conference play, let's, let's really, let's be curious. That's my biggest fear, man. My biggest fear is these expectations are so high. And then there's, you know, you come out and 
Oh, no, not again. Come on, let us have a good year. <laughs> I know. Like, doesn't it – you know what the thing is? We always talk about how, like, the 11-12 season was so much fun because you kind of didn't see it coming. I kind of feel like we skipped over the fun season. <laughs> like Because yeah. last yeah. year was not fun. Like, that felt like a pressure cooker the whole time. But we got – but that the end of the season was fun, right? Because it wasn't expected and the team just, like, played great. And that's kind of what the entire 2011-2012 was. So we got the fun part compacted into, like, two weeks. And now we go right to the pressure cooker of this season where it's going to feel like every game is, like, you know, got to win, got to do this, that, or the other. Well, we needed you, a full season without the expectations to, to fully enjoy, I feel like. Yeah, because I'm not happy with myself being cautious. <laughs> like, you know, I – Every coach that we've hired, I've loved in football and, and basketball. Every season, we're going to do this, do that. And I've been that fan for a long time. And now I've just kind of gone to the other end of the yeah. spectrum. I'm like, okay, be cautious. If we finish uh, fourth or fifth, we'll be okay. It'll be successful. You know, uh, fifth seed in tournaments, a lot better than where we've been. I mean, and I'm like, come on, dude, enjoy the season. <laughs> That's right. Uh, all right. Well, thanks to everybody who stuck with us. Uh, Good night, everyone. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you all next week.